Tanya J. Powers for Fox News Radio. Today I'm spending a few moments with best-selling author Doug Stanton. Doug, welcome. Thank you. Thank so you much. for coming in today. I know we're talking about your new book, Horse Soldiers. This is also the the big new movie that's the, the the new movie is based on this. Tell me a little bit about the book and and kind of which movie is based on this and, and sure. let's kind of give the listener the the full story here. So the full story is mm-hmm. this: I published a book called Horse Soldiers in two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. It uh, was on the New York Times bestseller list for quite a while. It's been republished by my great publisher Scribner as a movie tie-in edition, and it's now number one on the New York Times list as Twelve Strong. Uh, as is the movie. Right. And people will probably recognize the name of of the book, obviously, because it's been out for a while. And then if they don't, I guarantee you the the 12 strong will trigger their memory when they've seen, of course, the commercials with Chris Hemsworth, who's the big name in this. This looks like a really interesting movie. I I think the first thing I've got to ask you about the book that this is based on. Sure. Did they really ride horses? They they did. So the movie 12 strong, uh, follows very closely my book and they rode horses this is the group of the small band of brothers who in october of 2001 just weeks after 9-11 um rode into afghanistan on horses alongside their afghan allies to overthrow the taliban it uh it's this kind of secret story about an event 9-11 that we all know and um i'm really pleased that is coming out as a movie because this is an, was an epic mission, and um, and it's it's been a real trip. This is a real life story. This really yeah, happened. It really did. Um, for the for all of us, you know, I think the thing to think about is imagine the World War II. Imagine an OSS officer drop behind enemy lines in Germany or France has to link up using language skills, cultural awareness, awareness of the political situation, religious affiliations bind together disparate resistant groups to overthrow the Nazis. In this case, um, these small group of horse soldiers dropped in. They had all those skills trained in the special forces model and linked up with the Afghans and went after the Taliban. And they did it in about six weeks. The Pentagon thought it might take a year. Uh, If they got caught, there probably was no rescue. Um, This was a very bare-bones inexpensive, highly effective mission, and it worked. And the amazing thing is, it was the answer to 9-11. This was, as Jerry Bruckheimer, producer of the movie, who really has carried the day on this, said this was payback. This was, and let's kind of go back mentally to the time in the weeks right after 9-11. This was a, uh, obviously, a devastating act on Mm -hmm. our our country, and this was also um, something that all of us, was it, it sort of was the, like the delineation line in in you know you felt safe for a long time and then all of a sudden you didn't and it was a very emotional time for everybody on a lot of different levels when this when this happened you mentioned this group of of special mm-hmm. forces they went in um this this was not a group i mean like you said it's all but it was all but a suicide mission apparently i mean at least they thought mm-hmm. that way it might be if there was no rescue how, what kind of mindset did these guys have to go in and, and, and attempt this? It sounds, uh, uh, this is how they're trained. They're, tra- uh, they're trained to work behind enemy lines in small groups and to think and adapt really quickly. The United States Army Special Forces are a rare breed, and this movie and this book 
uh, are unique and that there aren't, there aren't many things uh, about them out there. This is not a Navy SEALs movie. It's not a Delta Force movie. These are diplomats and warriors rolled into one, uh, making kind of uh, uh, national decisions on behalf of the U.S. in the dirt with the Afghans as they move forward. So they're trained to fail. They're really interesting guys. Like they would be giving exercises in, in, their, in their training, which they cannot succeed, but they don't know that. So what the trainers are looking for is who, who, who pops up, who's resilient. Really interesting kind of thinking. And then plus the whole kind of soft power side of what they do with language and religion and culture really uh, emerge that with what they call kinetic um, uh, operations made it hugely effective. How did you decide to write about this? I wrote a book about World War II called In Harm's Way about the sinking of the Indianapolis. Fascinating story. It was a survival story. I was just uh, really drawn in. I was a contributor. I used to work for magazines quite a bit, Esquire and Men's Journal. And when 9-11 happened, I thought, what about the modern soldier? What are they thinking of today? What's going on? And I basically, by peeling back the onion over a five-year period, was able to talk to elements of every single part of the military involved in this, the Air Force, the CIA, the, uh, the Army helicopter pilots. It took a lot of time. But as I got into it, what was drawing me in was what I've just talked about. Who are these guys? It takes a very special kind of person to go off on this mission because it's not a direct action mission that might be over in 48 hours. This was probably a year-long deployment in the mountains uh, fighting and living on horseback. And you asked about the horses. That's how the Afghans were traveling. So they just, when, they, when uh, the general said, let's ride horses, they said, okay, we're going to do that. <laughs> and they had really, except for one captain on the team, had very little experience in doing that. So you see in the movie and in the book them riding across the field, firing over the horses' heads at Taliban armor and tanks and overwhelming it. And when we meet them in the book and the movie, we have come into the middle of a long civil war that the Northern Alliance is having with the Taliban. And as Mahakek, one of the Hazara tribal leaders, said after 9-11, he's listening on the radio, bent over uh, in his own uh, very primitive surroundings, saying, now the Americans are going to come. And this will be the answer to our prayers, which is, what do we do about the armor? We can swarm them with the horses, but as soon as we take the ground, they, they blast us off of mm -hmm. it. So uh, my book is really a Western with lasers. And so is the movie. That's exactly what I was thinking. Okay, glad we got it, there. It is. We're on the same page here. I, it, I'm fascinated about the fact that, that they used horses and, and not from, you know, I, I guess I just never considered it because you, you think of modern warfare and you think of the tanks and you think of all of the, you know, safety equipment and all the stuff. And I don't even want to begin to think about, you know, these poor horses and the fact that they you know, probably were deaf having all this yeah, <laughs> who things knows? fired around them. Well, the, gen <laughs> the general, uh, when the American captain said, won't uh, the horses be uh, scared of the gunfire? And uh, the, the Afghan general said, no, he'll know it's American gunfire. <laughs> 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 they can delineate. These are smart horses. They know the difference. They've been at this for a long time. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's funny. You, the horse is obviously a very uh, ancient conveyance, but mm -hmm. what's going on here is, a very kind of postmodern idea in warfare, which is if you can swarm and change your state of being and transition and adapt more quickly than the other person, you overwhelm them, and that's what they would do on the line. 
So just imagine you and I are sitting in our trench with our tank pointed at these horses charging at us. After a while, we can't adjust fire. And basically, we get up, we start running away, and then we get clobbered. Which is ironic because we're the ones in the tank. Right. You know, that's, 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 you would think the people with the bigger, uh, you know, ammo would win, but not necessarily. In the unconventional model, you know, rate of change will trump mass. So that you don't, you know, and it's so this is essentially we we are the insurgent guerrillas in this conflict in 2001 against the Taliban who essentially own the country. And that's what makes the movie so fascinating is because it only works because Chris Hemsworth, uh, who plays one of the SF captains, and Naveed Negaban, who plays the uh, Afghan general, have this great relationship on screen. There's a lot of explosions. It's a very exciting movie, but also at its heart is this whole thing about the SF model, which is you and I got to get together. I got to understand you, you understand me, and let's let's turn in one direction and we'll go and, and we'll fight that way. And it it, it, it really, uh, it worked. I, I'm glad you brought that part up because I think that's that's something that we don't want to gloss over. I mean, yes, this is a uh, an action movie mm-hmm. with horses and with, you know, like you said, it's cowboys and lasers and... Um, but there's there's a, at the heart of it, as you mentioned, there's that personal connection that I guess everybody could probably relate to, no matter what the audience. Yeah, no, I mean this has applications in your family and your business. I mean, mm-hmm. it's uh, but you know in the conventional army, you're not necessarily thinking in this manner. You know, what would Plan B actually Plan A after nine eleven? If we remember President Bush and so on, let's get there quickly. But when they went to the Pentagon, it was zero under Afghanistan plans to invade. So these guys got the call, and they'd never gotten the call in, in our history. And it's because, and it's because of they had this special skill set. And uh, I do want to say, you know, they were helped by the Air Force and the, and the Army and the, and the uh, Night Stalkers of the 160th. And it just wasn't, and more teams came in, but this was the team that led the way, mm-hmm. um, which uh, makes it special. I, were you, and like you said, you, this book came out several years ago, mm-hmm. almost 10 years ago, I guess. And um, you'd obviously spent a long time before that researching it, writing it, all of that. This is this book has been part of your life for. It's almost like a kid, I would imagine. At right. this point, <laughs> it, it's a movie opens this week, yeah, uh, Friday, and um, we just got together with Chris Hemsworth and Naveed and Michael Pena and Jerry Bruckheimer and the horse soldiers themselves. So they uh, met their counterparts. Oh yeah, in New York. They, uh, several were on set. I was on set as well. I'm an executive producer on the movie. It was involved with the screenwriters, Ted Talley and Peter Craig early on, and Jerry, and Molly Smith at Black Label. I mean, not an easy movie to make, um, but the, they've screened it around the country. People have seen it, love it. it the military community has embraced it. Um, and I think, you know, why now? Well, I think now it's because this is history. You know, we're almost 20 years on from this moment. It's like we've made the movie about Pearl Harbor 20 years after World War II. Mm-hmm. And this is the first bookend of this new world that we started to live in after 9-11. I think it provides a really interesting chance for us to look at where we were. And also, it's a story of victory because they achieved their mission. Okay, I want to ask you about a couple of other things. I know we're, we're, we're running short on time, but I, I, I have to know, your, your bio is quite impressive. As you mentioned, you've written for other mm-hmm. uh, big-name publications. You've had other books out. You're you know, executive producing a film with a Thor in it, for heaven's sake. Mm-hmm. Um, no small thing there. 
yeah, your bio mentioned something about getting an acting lesson from Harrison Ford, and that's the thing that's stuck in my head. <laughs> I have to know what what happened there. Well, he's a great guy, and I was doing a cover story for him for Men's Journal, I think, my great editor, Terry McDonald, and I just, you know, I always want to do something with people. I always want to know how they're like us. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the Midwest. That's where I'm from, and and I don't treat them as movie stars. And I said, Harrison, just show me, how do you do it on screen? How do you, how, tell me how you get angry. Well, Doug. And it's, <laughs> it's, wait, 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 wait. You're going to have to do that again. Hold on. Let me hear your Harrison you, Ford again. Well, I don't really, I've never done one. I'm just kind of recalling it from the memory banks. But, you know, that he goes, you just simply talk on, you know, he would just start. And as he's telling me about, well, how, he's getting angry, but it was not anger. It was, right. it was movie anger. But you know, actors. Uh, I, I think I'm fascinated with how they do what they do. Uh, it was in the piece, and, he, and uh, he took me helicopter flying and flying in his airplanes. It was just, it, 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 I'm interested in how people work. And I, you look at my bio, and you see I'm kind of doing uh, odd things with people. Uh, and it's because I love watching people work. I, lo- I love watching you just sit at these, con- you know, you're here doing what you do. I could spend the day just kind of asking you questions. And I did the same thing with the horse soldiers, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how'd you do it? And that's that's the great question for me as a writer. Let me turn the tables on you for just a second with that. I'm sure as a writer, you get a lot of people asking you the same thing. How do you how do you do it? What is your style? Do you have do you write between eight and five? Do you sit down with a legal mm-hmm. pad? Do you have a laptop? What do you? Uh, how do you do what you do? Because there's a lot of people who say I want to write, and they don't know how to start. They don't know it's it's you know it's easy until the drops of blood start coming onto the paper, sure. so to speak. But how do you do it? Well, I work, uh, it's, I've been doing it for quite a while now, so I just work every day uh, from morning till it's time to break for uh, for dinner, and I'm either on the phone interviewing somebody or trying to type, or, you know, the, the uh, it's B-I-C, as that was the lesson that was given to me, but in chair, you know, that's the thing to remember, <laughs> put it up on the office wall, and... Uh, and uh, after, uh, it's better to write poorly at the beginning because then you can revise it. But if you wait to be perfect, you'll be waiting forever. So it's just a process. You can't edit what's not there. Right, yeah. Um, do you? I know you do some uh, writer's workshops, that kind of thing. I do. You mentor young writers. Yeah, I love that. You know, I'm a kid who was grateful for the teachers who looked out for me when I was young, and I wanted to write from an early age. So I founded the National Writer Series with my wife and another good friend, and we've we're going gangbusters. We've got a huge lineup. I bring people in. We bring them in. I interview them on stage. We started a writing school for free that's pretty no kidding, uh, really good. And, um, you know, I have to just credit my parents. You know, you should always leave more on the table uh, when you walk away than was there when you arrived. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, and I just, uh, I, I've had a lot of fun experiences, but that'll be a legacy in my hometown of Traverse City, Michigan. So. Which teacher was it that really made you want to be a writer? Uh, Mr. Larry Groh in fourth or fifth grade at Traverse Heights Elementary. Fourth or fifth grade? Wow. Yeah. He let me start a school newspaper. Uh, in the fourth, <laughs> it was about two pages long. <laughs> Headline. <laughs> Robin's nest falls out of tree. <laughs> Swings broken on playground. Fate of eggs at six. Uh, that kind of thing, and yeah. uh, then Mr. Fuller, and then I was—I uh, went to a place called Interlochen Arts Academy, uh, where it changed changed my life. I, teachers ought to be ought to win the Nobel Prize, but every other year, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's that's amazing. I love you know. I could I could I could keep keep you all out all day. We could just trade stories. You're you're fascinating. Yeah, I'd like to, I want to start asking you here questions. No, no, we're good. In segment <laughs> two, we'll be right back. No, no, that's not how this works, Doug. Who is Tanya? <laughs> Uh, come back and see us again, please. Okay. And, and don't wait until your next movie's out ten years from now or whatever. What, co- what are you working on next? Because there's got to be a next, right? Yeah, I'm gonna to I'm gonna write a script uh, and uh, work on some television. And I just published a book of Viet- about Vietnam called The Odyssey of Echo Company. And I'd love to come back in May when it comes out in paperback. That, Absolutely. That is another. That's America's untold story. And uh, I my 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 mission is to get people to talk about it. Okay. Please come back and tell okay. us about that. Yeah. Doug Stanton is a hoot, y'all. Y'all need to uh, take a look at his book. And, of course, the people are going to go see the movie when it, uh, when it comes out. Thank you. Thank you for spending a few moments with us today. I'm Tanya J. Powers. This is Fox News Radio. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to Fox News Podcast shows ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or follow wherever you get your podcasts.